everyone. Hello. Welcome to a very belated Library Cooks. Yes. We've been gone so long, it feels like now, Erin. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we had a an episode about giving people gifts, and then we were gone. Then we're gone. Your yes. gift was that we weren't <laughs> on anymore, which that seems like a bunch of coal if you ask me. <laughs> we're excited today because we're back to do a podcast. And the books we picked were vegetarian cookbooks, looking at what we have done over the course of the months that we have podcast and decided that we were going to choose this. Which I was happy about. Right. So coming back to the podcast, we decided to stick to our format of three books, but we made more than one thing from each book in most cases. So the first book we chose was Almonds, Anchovies, and Pancetta by Cal Peternell. And it's a vegetarian cookbook, kind of. Yes, kind of. Yeah, that's true, because obviously anchovies and pancetta are not vegetarian. Mm, No, they're not. I think sort of the idea of this particular book is not so much limiting you know, eating meat or anything like that. It's not what what he's talking about. I, I really do believe it's some of these ingredients are things that a lot of people might not use a lot to cook. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people are terrified of anchovies or don't like anchovies. Mm-hmm. I, I will tell you, I love anchovies. So I concentrated on the pretty much the anchovy part of his cookbook and found that his recipes were just really awesome. So yeah, I actually, I agree. I love how sassy he is in his head notes. Yes. He tells the best stories at the beginning. Uh, one yes. of the stories started out, there was no beach. And I was just immediately hooked. Yeah. He's really funny. Sometimes he kind of gets a little like vegetarians. Ha, ha, ha. But, you know, mm-hmm. I can forgive that. <laughs> right. So what did you make? from this book. So I made green beans and frise salad with almonds and anchovy dressing. So as you might know, if you listen to our podcast, I'm the queen of salad dressings and I'm always trying to find something new to make. And so this really was fantastic. It was almost something that you might get if you ordered at a fancy restaurant, a higher end with the eggs and the anchovies making a very sort of creamy dressing. And it's quite good. That sounds really good. And it has a smoky tinge to it because you're using a little bit of smoked pimento in it. So Mm -hmm. it's delicious. Definitely has all the things I love. Almonds, anchovies, a little good sherry, good olive oil, and of course, all kinds of good lettuce like endive. And I use uh, some kale in it because I'm queen of kale at my house. But, um, (laughs) oh, yeah, let's put some kale in it. And people are like, oh. (laughs) <laughs> Why do you always like kale so much? Kale, yeah. Yes, I agree with that. I have a tote bag that says that. But it is a really good. It's quite easy to make. You're basically blanching some green beans for a very short period of time and cooling them in some really cold ice water and letting them sort of get nice and plump and firm again. And then just chopping up a little and you're just mixing like you would a typical green salad with your green beans. And with the olives, you're going to toast them a little bit, kind of mix it as a little crunch to your salad. He does mention the book, I'm sure you've read it, Erin, the Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat Mm -hmm. book, which absolutely love. And if you have a chance, it's going to pitch her show on Netflix. It's fantastic and really explains how things kind of work together to make a really great flavor. Mm-hmm. And I really do believe this recipe really sort of highlights that idea of the fat and the salt and the acid and the heat. 
So, yeah, awesome. it's, it's really great. Great story recipe. Pretty much each recipe did have a story. Yeah. And I made a batch of cookies out of this book. Ooh, the almond sweet. butter cookies with chocolate. And they were so good. Hmm. But let me, let me read you a little bit of this head note on these cookies. It says, I read about a Girl Scout who sold 16,000 boxes of those famous cookies by describing a bleak, flavorless wasteland as flavorless as dirt. I give it a one. <laughs> She's right. Other than frozen Thin Mints. As a guy who's not a cute Girl Scout master of the undersell, I think I'll try a different approach. <laughs> These are the best peanut butter cookies, but even better because they're almond butter cookies. Mm. Nostalgically scouty, but crisp and chewy with dark chocolate chunks that combine the almonds' warm toastiness to make them a singular joy. A 10. <laughs> and I, I would say they're pretty close to a 10. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're very good. Um... And really, it's exactly like making peanut butter cookies, but you just use almond butter oh, instead. So something kind of simple. Uh-huh. Very simple. Very easy to do. Um, kid approved. So hey, you can't go wrong great. there. <laughs> um, I also found it really unique on these that you rolled them into a ball like you do, but then you rolled them in granulated sugar. Oh. And baked them. So it made them really crispy kind of on the outside, crispy, crunchy, and it was Really good combined with the kind of softness that you want out what of a, a peanut butter a cookie. Nut butter cookie, yeah. Yeah, that makes me want one right now. Yeah, Erin, <laughs> <laughs> why didn't you make? I know some? I should have should have made them like on the NPR show where they taste it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on air, <laughs> we could have been just going Mm-mm-mm. crunchy, crunchy. Yeah. <laughs> So I think we overall really, I think both of us really enjoyed this gentleman's book. Yeah, and I liked his focus on how he wanted people to eat more vegetables and by giving them different flavors, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. using the almonds, the anchovies, and the panzetta to get different flavors from the different fat profiles that each of these foods have. And I think looking at this, just if you think about certain things that go together, Mm -hmm. so much of like eggs and anchovies and the pachetta, you can do so much with that one sort of flavor and you can take it and just go really crazy with it, Mm -hmm. you know, because some things are stronger flavor, of course, like anchovies and pancetta up to how long it's been (laughs) hanging there. And then is really how much flavor it's going to have. So, yeah, I mean, looking at Bristol sprouts with pancetta is like, (gasps) Wow, that sounds delicious. <laughs> like, I didn't make that, but I might later. Yeah, one that I did make a version of because it called for pancetta and I didn't use it. Right. Was there's a roasted pancetta wrapped asparagus with mustard and eggs. So oh, yes. I did, I wrapped it in the egg. I scrambled the eggs instead of boiling and chopping them. Oh, okay. And that was really good and really pretty, too. So if you are... Someone who doesn't eat meat or you don't eat pork, right. then you can adjust and still get the idea of the recipe because there are such simple ingredients in this. Right. Um, and the recipes, I think, are quite – there's nothing – you're not going overboard when you're making anything in here. Mm-hmm. And the recipes are very easy to understand. I mean, there's there's nothing too crazy. Yeah. I feel like you would be all right with this cookbook and you would yeah. be able to find what you needed. Everything is very simple. It's very approachable. It's really approachably written. 
Yes. And it's it's a pretty little book, too. Actually. It is. It's really attractive. It's got watercolor renderings of things. There aren't actual pictures of the recipes in there, which I know I generally don't, generally like. don't like that. But it's such an attractive little package with his words and the little watercolors. I will forgive there not being photos Right. Well, it does say that he earned a BFA in painting from the School of Visual Arts in New York City, and he's from New Jersey. And we have to say, since he has a podcast himself that's about culinary education, it's called Cooking by Ear, so you should check that out if you like his book and like his recipe. Definitely. I think I will give it a 10. I'm going to give it a 10 because I really (laughs) enjoyed it. I'm going to give it a 9 for a good variety. I think I was just torn because I'm like you. I want to be able to look at what it's going to look like. Yeah. And there was something so pleasing about those little watercolor images. I think it just made me happy looking at it. it. It's a very (laughs) nice little book, even though there's some definite sassiness in these stories. One of the head notes actually takes up more space than the recipe itself does this one it's a whole story it's one two three four pages long it's talking about how his nana made this recipe so there's a lot in here to enjoy even if you don't end up making something out of it i agree beautiful book All right. So, you know, we started out on a pretty high note. You know, Jennifer rated a 10 and I rated a 9. The next one that we're going to talk about, uh, we're down in the low single digits. Oh, yeah. 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 No, no, no. So this one had a lot of promise. Oh, yeah. It's gorgeous. It's laid out. Everything that is photographed in this picture looked like that you would enjoy eating it right away. (laughs) Yeah. It's got some really nice typography. They really went the extra mile with the graphic design on this book. It's called Plant-Based Meats, Hearty High-Protein Recipes for Vegans, Flexitarians, and Curious Carnivores. And that's probably the last nice thing I'll say about it. Yeah. I think there is a market of cookbooks now and Mm -hmm. of people who – really want to be able to take the vegetarian or the vegan sort of style and make things look like they should be if they were a real meat Mm -hmm. product. That's great. But I just didn't think these recipes worked, you know, at all. They were... And it was so, where would you find, where would you find some of the ingredients for this? I'll have one more nice thing to say. There is a nice glossary in the front of maybe unfamiliar ingredients for people. Mm -hmm. There was, yes, Um, I agree. There's a great rundown of different cooking methods that really work for these. But I ended up having to special order a few things to try to make the recipe. And one of them I never actually could completely make it because I couldn't find locally or to order except in bulk what I needed. And you I'm definitely didn't want that. that. So <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm gonna start with the one that I was only able to make a portion of and that was barbecue sauce and jackfruit pulled pork. Mm-hmm. And jackfruit is a really great dupe for pulled pork, just oh. in general. It's really yummy. You can buy it really easily. That's already pre-seasoned. You don't have to do much to it. You can just go down to the Kroger and get it. So if you can get it at Kroger, you can get it, you know, any place. What was so difficult was it wanted just the plain jackfruit canned preferably, but just plain jackfruit. And jackfruit is hard to find locally plain because it's so common now for it to come pre-seasoned. 
Right, to make something、yeah. like you were gonna make. Yeah. Also, if you find jackfruit that's actually whole in its shape, it's a very large fruit. It's also a very difficult fruit to break down. So, like butternut squash is really difficult to cut through. Jackfruit is apparently a couple orders of magnitude more difficult <laughs> to do it. So, what I did, and because I couldn't find just the plain jackfruit, and I wasn't feeling up to breaking down a whole jackfruit and having that much jackfruit around, is I just made the barbecue sauce. Yeah, it was. I have to say, it was pretty decent barbecue sauce. I don't know that I would make it again. It was not my preference for barbecue sauce. It called for apple juice, lemon juice, tomato paste, apple cider vinegar, Dijon mustard, chipotle powder, smoked paprika, and vegan Worcestershire sauce. So it was it was a more mustard based barbecue sauce than I prefer. It had a good spice level. It was it tasted pretty good. But I think I was just by that point so turned off by this book that it was just kind、mm. of like yeah, this is fine. <laughs> yeah, you're like yeah.、Mm-hmm. So I made the chicken and broccoli and sweet chili sauce, and basically you can't go wrong with sweet chili sauce. You can pretty much jazz up any type of stir fry with something like that. Now I will admit I did not use this recipe to make the shredded chicken because I didn't have the ingredients to make it.、Mm-hmm. I just I didn't. So so maybe you know maybe we're we're misjudging. Maybe on my end I'm I'm misjudging it. But you actually tried to make the meat. Yep. What I did was I just used the idea of this recipe because the rest of this stuff is good. I had a lot of these things in my pantry. From chili sauce, a black bean sauce, mirin, and all that kind of stuff. I, you know, I own that kind of stuff. So the actual sauce of this was really good, and I actually just cheated and used some actual chicken, and it tasted, <laughs> and it tasted fine because I, no, I used real chicken. Um, <laughs> I didn't use fake chicken, <laughs> so it tasted really good.、Yeah. But this book was not for me to do that. My this book was for me to make a fake meat. In the sauce, and I cheated, and I didn't because I didn't have the ingredients. So I, I feel like I I I should just take myself out. Just <laughs> <laughs> shut yourself out. <laughs> just just shut myself out of the door because I didn't do what I was supposed to. But that being said, the recipe was good. But it would be your typical if you were just making this from any kind of stir fry sort of cookbook. It was an okay recipe. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll give it that. And I probably would have cheated also and not used the recipe for the chicken and just used a pre-done. Fake chicken. Yes, and I could have done that too, but I. <laughs> well, especially after、oh, making please the tell one us, that I made. Okay, so please tell us your terrible story. <laughs> <clears throat> so I made the savory miso roast with gravy, and I didn't make the gravy. But so I had to for the roast. I decided to try to make this and. You know, sometimes people, when you're vegetarian, people ask you, "Well, like, why do you take such trouble to find something that looks like a meat? Why, if you're going to go to all this trouble to make it, just eat a meat? Eat a meat." And honestly, this recipe, I was kind of thinking, like, I should just eat a meat. Like, this is too complicated. <laughs> you're like, what am I thinking? What am I thinking? I'm <laughs> what have re- I done? Well, I'm really going to try to eat a meat. Yes. So this called for, and I'll, I'll tell you where the problem really ended up with this. But it called for vital wheat gluten, chickpea flour, ground dried mushrooms, and then some other spices that are pretty typical,、mm-hmm. and then mock beef flavored broth powder. And that's what I had to special order because I could not find anything. Oh well. I also had a hard time finding chickpea flour, and so maybe that would have made a 
difference if I had actually been able to find Chippy Flower. There were plenty of stores that carry it. Yes. Just none were in stock when I needed it. So yes. I ended up using a different strong flower, a whole wheat strong flower, because a chickpea flower is a very strong sort of flower. Right. And so I think it was just too much wheat with the whole wheat flour and the vital wheat gluten, which that is what the problem was with this recipe is the vital wheat gluten. So basically it was like two really strong things going together and just creating this sort of blob well, yes, flavor. But more so that vital wheat gluten smells bad. Oh. It does not smell very good at all. It is the base if you're going to make the fake meat seitan. Yes. That's the base of it, which I have a, an iffy relationship with seitan anyway. It has to be cooked just so or I just can't. I just can't eat it. Yeah. So I'm going along and I get the wheat gluten and I put it in and I'm stirring it. And I'm just. Oh, no. I have to open a window. I'm almost falling over. It just smells so bad that I realize there's no way that I'm going to be able to eat this. <gasps> but I keep going because it's the recipe and I'm thinking, okay, maybe this is just the raw form and it. You know, once I get all the rest of this in there, you won't be able to taste when it. When you cook it, it'll taste delicious. Yeah, it's going to smell the, good. The beef broth powder, it comes in. It's green. <laughs> oh, boy. So it's it smells really good. All of the other things that you put in it, like tamari soy sauce, miso. I love miso. Mm, yeah. Especially red miso, which is really deep and flavorful. And so I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be okay. It really, it'll be okay. So I'm, you have to hand shape this into a roast and I do, and it looks beautiful and I'm so happy even though I'm trying not to gag. And <laughs> I put it in the oven and I cook it and it actually smells decent in the oven. So I get more excited and start making my grandmother's secret meatloaf sauce because instead of making the gravy, I thought, you know, yeah, we'll make this more like a meatloaf and, and then it came out of the oven. <laughs> Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And I plated it, and it looked beautiful. And I sliced it into beautiful little slices and served it up and took a bite and couldn't eat it. I chewed it up and tried, and no, the wheat gluten came right on through. And I just couldn't do it. My husband is a good sport, and he was trying it. He took a bite, and he's watching me the whole time that he's eating it, trying to keep his face expressionless because (laughs) he doesn't want to hurt your (laughs) feelings. He doesn't want to hurt my feelings, especially if it turns out that I like it. (laughs) You're like, you're not hurting my feelings. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. I'm just like, I can't. I can't do it. It's awful. (laughs) He was like, thank God. This is terrible. (laughs) I I so did not want to hurt your feelings. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I think afterward, I had taken a couple of pictures of it because I I do that. I take pictures of food. I texted them to you. She's beautiful, but she's awful. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, my God, you poor thing. So I have to give it to you. Like, you should get, a, like, an A for effort on, yes. the, on the fact that you went through it, even though I it did. smelled awful and it tasted awful. I wanted so bad for this book to be awesome. Yeah. I just really did. And I was so very disappointed by the ones that I tried, just the complexity of them. Mm -hmm. But also, there are a lot better recipes for making similar kind of things out there, I think. This miso roast is supposed to be almost, almost a meatloaf dupe. 
And there are ones that use cashews. And yes, I've seen recipes like that. Much better ways to make this stuff at home. If you're feeling particularly adventurous and you don't mind a 50-50 chance that it's not going to work. But otherwise, I just recommend buying your favorite brand of whatever instead of trying to make it yourself. And that's kind of sad. And I feel kind of awful for ragging on this book so hard because it is a really beautiful effort. But it just, it doesn't cut it. Well, I I think looking at it, I, I do believe that if you're somebody who's prone to make their own meat and and meat and do these kind of things, you probably would have a lot of these ingredients in your house already mm-hmm. or in your pantry where you could perfect it or maybe work yeah. on it a little bit to make it better. This particular book just wasn't I, – I don't think this book is really for just sure – average person who's just like, oh, I want to try something. No, I think this is somewhat for somebody who maybe has a lot more experience. Yeah, this is an advanced book, I would say. I would not say. I I think if you pick this up as a beginner, you'll just put it back down because it is very intimidating. Yeah, no, no offense to this, to the author who wrote this, but yeah, it was just not for us. Not for us. Yeah. Like, but the, like you said, the photography is really nice. Yeah, it is a very beautiful book. And it's well laid out, too. The head notes are great. She puts the serving. She puts all the prep time and all of the pertinent information right there at the top. You don't have to go searching for it. There are photos. It's a well-done cookbook as a physical item. There are a couple of simpler things. There's a cauliflower buffalo wing recipe that's a pretty good staple that's probably the, like the one or two little things that, that got thrown in there. That yeah. <laughs> like we have to have a couple of simple things, and here we go. Yeah, so we're sorry that we didn't like a good book. Yeah. So I guess our third book, mm-hmm. which was The New Vegetarian South. This was a nice book. I ended up making the dirty rice out of this. One of the things about the book, though, I think it was maybe it was just my recipe. It does have photographs, but I didn't feel like I got enough. Like, I kind of wanted to see a little bit more from the cookbook. But the dirty rice was was very good. It's kind of like your typical, typical sort of like almost like a fried rice kind of. I did use meatless um, beef crumbles. So it, it was totally fine. I did not find beyond beef which is what was recommended but i did find something yeah. that's i think it's called corn yes which i really really if you ever want to eat stuff like that, it's quite good it's very good and it's not soy so if you and i can eat it soy. and i'm allergic to soy so i have to really watch any of that stuff that says it's meat substitute i wish i could do that but i can't eat that yeah. <laughs> so i really had to hunt down and then but then uh, so it's a really great brand if you if you're trying to do that so mm-hmm. so this is really quite easy recipe like i said it's just like your typical rice using a cast iron skillet if you have a cast iron skillet which really makes that really nice heat and a little bit of crunchy at the bottom of your rice which i think is really tasty so quite simple recipe. Basically, you kind of make it you Cajun, kind of Creole kind of taste. It's long rice. It's like green onions, parsley, bell pepper, onions, vegetable oil, and some celery. I mean, this thing was quite easy. I had all these things in my pantry, and the recipe turned out great. So I can't cannot go yeah. wrong. Yeah. So I was like, yes, this is delicious. It's simple, simple, simple. Yeah. Now, I would describe this book as... 
if you are vegetarian and Southern and your your granny says, well, what do you eat? Yeah. You show her this book because this is mm-hmm. if you grew up in the area or anywhere farther south, you're going to recognize the recipes that are in here as things that you would have eaten growing up, growing up or, yes. or it's anything that you would consider home cooking yeah. is in this book. Yeah. And that's what's good about this book. Yeah. It's so familiar that it's stuff that you I looked at and thought, oh, I didn't think I would eat anything like that again. And then here it was. And it's really, really good. So I made two things out of here. The I first only made one, the one. So The first one was sassy pimento cheese. Of course. I was like, please tell me you made something pimento cheese out of I this cookbook. I did. <laughs> so it's been a while since we checked these out to do our recipe tests. And in the time that we've done that, I have made this recipe about five times. Wow. It is that good. It is. It has become the standard pimento cheese in our household. Wow. So, okay, so maybe I should go back and look at it. Then. Yeah, so it is incredibly simple and things that I just wouldn't have thought of. To, to put in it? To do in that combination. So I've made pimento cheese with roasted red pepper before, and it's really mild and yummy. I've made pimento cheese with jalapeno pepper. Yes, which before, I love. Which is much more sassy. This one combines both. Oh. So you do roasted red pepper and jalapeno. Does this still use pimentos or use the red, red pepper for the – Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Red peppers in place of the pimentos. I think you could probably add the pimentos and get a three pepper pimento cheese. That would be fun. Your next, yes, your next one. My next experiment. But what really, really tips us over into just really good pimento cheese is the grated onion. And Ooh. when you grate an onion, it pretty much just turns into onion juice. Right. And so you do two teaspoons of that. I just did it by eye and you grate the onion and it really does get in your sinuses. <laughs> I was going to say, did you cry? <laughs> I, I, well, if I have my contacts in, I don't cry, uh, but I do burn in my face <laughs> like, when you inhale it. But it's, it's so good. It's worth it, right? Yes. So you do that, you turn your face away as you're grating and then you mix it all up. It calls for not as much mayo as I thought it would. It's only about three quarters of a cup. Do you use vegan eggs? I didn't. No, because I eat eggs. And, okay. And, um, but you absolutely could. Yeah. And then if you have cheddar style shreds, you could do that. Right. As well. And then you just mix it all together. You, you do use a little bit of the juice of the red pepper. Oh, that gives a good flavor. Yeah. So it really is a really well-rounded. It's got a little bit of a bite from that onion. The jalapeno, you just put one in it, and so it's not overly spicy. It just gives it a nice heat. I'm going to have to make this. Yeah, you, you will. Like I said, I've made it multiple times and made it the exact same way every time, and it has always turned out, and it has been really, really good. Oh, wow. And it says it makes about four cups, and that's about right. And that's a lot. That's like party size mm-hmm. pimento cheese. So this one recipe will last you for a while. But we like it. So. We do like it. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't last as long. No. <laughs> you cannot go wrong. No. We should have just named our podcast Pimento Cheese. We should have, yes. The Pimento Cheese Librarians. Yes. Yes. So the other thing I made, which I was really excited about, was Carolina grits with sweet potato, a sweet potato swirl, and smoked Gouda, which is one of my favorite cheeses. I love Gouda, too. 
Gouda's so, Gouda. It is Gouda. So you make a sweet potato puree and you make your grits. It walks you through spicing them and put your cheese in and then you just swirl in this sweet potato puree. And it's really pretty, especially if you take really great care to swirl <laughs> the If you just don't dump it in there. Yeah, if you don't if you just drop it in, it, it's a little less attractive. <laughs> it's but, a lump of sweet potato. <laughs> yes. So we had this as a side. And it says it makes four servings. It makes a little more than four mm-hmm. servings. The four servings are very generous dinner size <laughs> servings. So I'd say really the recipe, if you use it as a side, makes about eight. Right. Wow. And then if you refrigerate it overnight, you can then do your fun grits trick of slicing it like brownies and just having some grits. Yes. <laughs> or you could take that grits and fry it up in a pan. Yes. And this would be really good to do that with, too. And this actually has you pipe the sweet potato puree onto it so it has the nice swirl. Like you're in a fancy restaurant. Yes, very fancy looking. But the piping, really all you do is put it in a Ziploc and take the (laughs) corner off, and then you can swirl it around. You don't need a a pipe bag or any sort of star tips or anything like that to make this recipe work. That's funny. And so, so if you wanted to be fancy, you yes. could do that if you're all you want. <laughs> <laughs> so what I really enjoyed about this book was that it's not by an author who is herself a vegetarian. No. She was challenged by a friend who was opening a restaurant and wanted it to be either all vegetarian or have a lot of options that were not just salad. Oh, yeah. Um, And so her friend challenged her to create recipes based on the usual Southern childhood sort of foods that you think of. And I'd say she was very successful. And she also talks about how, in general, a lot of Southern food is centered around your vegetables. It is, yeah. Very little meat. And when meat is used, kind of like our very first book, it's used to flavor Mm -hmm. those vegetables. And so so she goes through and... Finds different ways of doing it. She also has a pulled jackfruit barbecue. It would have had the same problem because it calls for plain jackfruit. And I think that's just an issue of our local market. Yeah. I don't think that that is inherently a failing with either book. It just is something that's harder to come by. Same thing with like when you were trying to find the Beyond Beef. It Yeah. It's hard to find in our market. It just is. Yeah. So I, you know, you look at that and you think, oh, yeah, but look, no. Can't find it. And it's also like, I mean, you could go from what part of town you live in. Uh uh, Like, oh, yeah, we have it at this store. And then you think, well, they don't have it at my store. And then you think, well, I don't want to drive all that far if I'm going to. A lot of it you do have to think about how much you're going to travel to try to find the things that are in your cookbook. And this goes for any cookbook. Oh, yeah, that's not what we're talking about. um, Yeah. So if you have to go very far, it's not a very convenient recipe. Or if you have to special order from the Internet, it's really. (laughs) You really, really have to go way out of your way now at this point because you're like, now I have to search for something and look, wait for it to arrive. It seems like to me that Lexington has a pretty decent food market as a whole. Oh, yeah, I would Um, agree. You don't have to go. A whole lot to find things, but there are some things that I just over the years just have never found right. in town. It's just the limitation of how big we are, what stores we have, what is popular with people. Because if people don't buy it, stores are not going to carry it, even right. if they do in other markets. 
So I think that's just something to consider. Well, one of the things I think about when I look at recipes, I sometimes think about what can I substitute? Mm -hmm. And I think that that is key. And sometimes you really can substitute something. Yeah. But then sometimes you it's a main ingredient. I am not going to be able to substitute this main thing for yeah. this for this thing to make it whatever this is I'm making. But I do think if you are making something, look in your cabinet, you're like, oh, I don't have these spices. Think about the base of what some of these spices are and just hey, use the Google yeah. and look it up. And you might find like, oh, yeah, okay, that'll work for me. So, you know, just because you don't have something sometimes doesn't mean you might have something you, that would work okay with it. Yeah. Or just as just as well sometimes. Yeah. And I've done that with spices before. If I've run out of something and it just stores aren't open, say, like on the holidays if you run out of something. Right. I've had good luck of just Googling replacement for whatever yeah. spice. You'll usually end up with a really good list of mm-hmm. things that you can substitute for that spice and still get the same kind of flavor profile. Oh, yeah. 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 So, yeah. So think about that. Don't always think like, oh, I can't make that because I don't have paprika and mm-hmm. something. I don't know. And sometimes the substitution is even better yeah, than I think what, so. what the original one is. Yep. So. All of a sudden it becomes your recipe. You can tell when yep. people go, oh, what was that? And you're like, oh, this is my recipe. This is my secret family recipe. Yes. I created it myself because <laughs> I substituted the parsley. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so there. I made my own blend of Italian spices. Yes. Mm. <laughs> we like. <laughs> but hey, that, that's, that's part of cooking. Yes. You know? And part of learning, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think you start to learn what works for you and things that you use a lot of and things that you, oh, well, maybe I should think about this because I have, I bought this for this recipe. Mm -hmm. I don't want it to go to waste or I don't want it to set in my cabinet forever. Look up something else you can do with it. Yeah. I mean, use it up. Yeah. And a lot of times, too, you can look through the same cookbook. Mm-hmm. And find I mean, another. If, if your original recipe was successful, you can look through the rest of the book and see if maybe something else calls for the same ingredient and you can make something else. Right. From that. And then you have two things that you could say that you yeah. made up yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, who doesn't want to say I made that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think this book was uh, very successful. Yep. This is the one that gets my 10. I could see that. Yeah. I could definitely see that. And and I'll give I'll give it your nine, <laughs> just so we can balance each other yeah. out. <laughs> but yeah, really successful cookbook. Yes. And now I have a new pimento cheese recipe to, to make. Yes, you must. You must. I must this. do it. I must. And we talked about in the plant based meats book how it had a nice glossary and went over different ingredients. This one does too. Mm-hmm. So it will describe a bunch of different. Fake meats, it'll talk about. The heading is Making It Meaty, a short guide to ingredients that amps up meatiness. Mm -hmm. So things like miso paste, Parmesan cheese, and specifically the Parmesan cheese rind. Oh, yeah. Cooking it with it. Especially if you're making soup, you'll see sometimes it'll say add a Parmesan rind. Mm -hmm. It really does build a lot of flavor. Um, I think what it does is it gives it a salty base, you know, kind of helps you in the salt category Mm -hmm. if you're making something. And then it just goes through all the different things that you can add so that you probably have in your pantry. The only one that is sometimes hard to find is liquid smoke. Which I think um, I've actually seen it 
you know, I think it's becoming more and more of a thing now yeah. to find. Um, I think Bragg's brand is the best. It does, yeah. They have one. And I, I use it quite a bit. Yeah. It tastes good on rice. Really good on rice. Very cool. Yeah. So just, just a little tip. All right. So I hope that you have enjoyed our deep dive into vegetarian yes. cooking and just in increasing the amount of vegetables that you eat or yes. just if you have a dietary need to make a reduction. You can really find a lot of things that you can adapt in all of these books, but in particular that almonds, anchovies, and pancetta book. Yeah, because this this one really was sort of really highlighting the vegetables yeah. that you could use, limiting just a little bit of meat with it. And basically this book was to add a flavor to yeah. it. It was just trying to highlight the vegetable in itself with this under flavor of anchovy or a pancetta or something like that. So, yes. So give it a shot. Hope you enjoy. Thank you, guys. Next time. We'll see you next time. The books we reviewed this time were Almonds, Anchovies, and Pancetta by Cal Peternil, Plant-Based Meats, Hearty High-Protein Recipes for Vegan, Flexitarians, and Curious Carnivores by Robin Asbell, and The New Vegetarian South, 105 Inspired Recipes for Everyone by Jennifer Brule. If you've enjoyed listening, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. If you have any questions for us about the cookbooks we've reviewed or books you would like us to review, you can contact us at our website, www.lexpublive.org slash podcast. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Erin. And we'll be back next time with more cookbooks and recipes to share.